the morning. I want to ask you to put yourself on a scale of one to five. One being not very good, five being amazing. How healthy would you rate your body? How healthy? Now, many of you are already like, ah, Tim, don't give me these things. How, what, define healthy first. What is healthy? Then I'll put myself on your scale. Well, I asked my doctor through text message. What is, what does it mean to be healthy? And I don't know if you can hem and haw and go, <clears throat> well, <clears throat> but through text message, I think that came through. Um, here's the answer. Thank you, Dr. Bill. Oh, Tim, your question is good as there is no answer. (laughs) One person's definition may be different than another's, but I suppose if you have no medical problems and are following basic prevention guidelines laid out by the CDC or USPSTF for diet and exercise, and of course have no genetic predisposition for disease, then this can be as close as perfect health as you can get. So where do you rate yourself? One to five, good health. (laughs) Well, as you think about your health and you're going to measure yourself, you know, on your BMI, you know, if you have low BMI, which you were wondering what is BMI and hoping it's not TMI, Um, but BMI is body mass index, you know, how skinny are you, Um, or how much sleep, are you sleeping good, are you eating good, are you exercising, are you getting enough water to drink, Um, all these things. Maybe if you say, yes, I'm doing really well, you're going to say five. And maybe if you're like me, you're going to say one, because I I don't think I get enough water or sleep, and my kids really prevent me from exercising. So it's the result of a one. So today we're talking about the body-soul connection, and in her book, Hunger, fascinating memoir, Roxane Gay talks about her journey with weight and with food and her journey with her body. And it really uh, is a brave memoir where she talks about how throughout her life she um, has ebbed and flowed with her weight, but her top weight was 577 pounds at one point. She goes back to her childhood and uh, not a family genetic situation, um, but when she was 12, she suffered, was the victim of a brutal gang rape And at that point, she said she, in her mind, said, uh, I'm going to hide in food. And if I can become fat and unattractive, maybe that would never happen again. And so that kind of is her journey. Um, We're going to talk today about some ditches that we can fall into when it comes to our bodies. And um, man, on this subject in particular, huge umbrella of grace. We're all on a journey here. Uh, But the... The one ditch um, that Roxanne really talks about in her book is the ditch around physical health becoming overweight, inactive, and that's just one of the ditches that we can fall into. And then another ditch on the other side might be this guy, Jeremy, who's from Canada. Not this Jeremy, but a different Jeremy that we don't know. But you can imagine Jeremy almost like some of your friends perhaps here in Colorado who is committed to his exercise activities. Right, last decade committed his life to, you know, races and doing things. And, and it began for him um, doing tough man fights. I don't even know what that is, but that seems tough. But then he switched to power lifting and then swimming and then rock climbing. And now, more recently, 
transitioned to long-distance running. He's just that guy who's just throwing himself into physical activity. Um, and he's done some fun stuff. Maybe some of you have done the Canadian Death Race, um, 125-kilometer race in the Rockies of Alberta. Um, and he did that twice, which there's something about Jeremy in this kind of season of his life where his body, it was moving more toward the vain, selfish purposes. And he was driven um, by pride in himself. And that consumed his life and his attention and his time. And it took away from his family and his friends and his um, children. So things got a little squirrely for Jeremy um, between the first and second death race. Um, preparations for the second death race. Um, his wife was at home and she's just juggling everything. And it's just wore out and is sad. And his kids are also sad because he's never around. He's always doing that two-hour training run, or always going to the mountains to get his miles in, and they at home are suffering. So the ditch perhaps this Jeremy fell into is becoming obsessed with his body and just the activities that his body can do. So when it comes to the body-soul connection, we've got a ditch called under-attention to my body. We've got a ditch over-attention, obsession with my body, and today we want to tackle this tricky topic of the body-soul connection in our physical bodies. Um, because we're in this series, Vital Signs, and uh, we're talking about how in every area of our lives, um, there's an interconnectedness to the way that God has made us. So the vital signs surrounding physical health, things like our weight, our BMI, sleep, hydration, energy, can I say yes to the promptings of the Holy Spirit? When God prompts me towards something, can I say yes? Because I have the energy uh, to do that. God has made us interconnected. And when one area of my life is weak, it impacts the other areas. And when one area is strengthened, it touches upon and strengthens the other areas. So last week we talked about kind of a metaphor or picture for this whole month, this entire series, is this picture of silos or sponges. So a silo way of thinking about your life would be, I got my finances over here. That's totally separate from my church life and my spiritual life. That's a separate silo. My physical body, that's another thing in my practices around eating and exercise. And my relationships, they're separate. So we're all in these separate silos. But actually, God made us interconnected. So we're more like a sponge. Not a separate bunch of silos, but a sponge. And so when you drop dye, blue dye, for example, into a sponge, it's going to spread. When you have a weak area, it's going to touch upon the other areas. When we strengthen, say, our financial lives, it will manifest itself in our physical health, our relational health, our spirituality. Um, same with when one is weak. So Herbert Benson said, the mind and body communicate constantly. What the mind thinks, perceives, and experiences is sent from our brain to the rest of our bodies. So here's the thing. For this morning, God is less interested in your BMI than what you do with your body. Many of us have lost the connection between our physical and spiritual lives. For sure, I know I have. We, uh, for me, I grew up in the Midwest, and so in my family growing up, like Lucky Charms for breakfast, that's a normal thing, regularly going out for frozen custard, that's a regular thing. Do you know what you do on Fridays? Fish fry Friday, yep. 
which um, <clears throat> if you are from the Midwest, you know what I'm talking about. Your salad is, there's actually nothing green on the plate of salad. It's like iceberg lettuce, and then you have fried fish, and then you have fried cheese curds. And so in my family, you know, pretty much whatever you put in your body was fine. Just don't smoke or drink. I was thinking, Tim, it would have been funny if we would have done this talk, like, just dived into this topic, like, you got a big gulp and I have a bag of Cheetos, and we just, like, go <laughs> So my family, though, growing up, that was, that was kind of the, um, it was almost like um, paying attention, nobody said this overtly, but the message I kind of picked up was, like, paying attention to your body uh, was just a distraction to the more important things of life. And uh, some of you grew up in homes or churches that inadvertently sent that message. Of all of the Protestant denominations, um, Baptists rank in surveys the worst as far as BMI and obesity, so like 30% or something. And, um, you know, it's all those potlucks, right? All the potluck dinners and stuff. But uh, some of you grew up in homes like this where the church or the home so devalued the present experience of faith in favor of the afterlife. So it's all about the soul. It's all about heaven when we die. It's all about this so that the present physical world, eh, that's passing away, that doesn't matter, including my physical body. Uh, all of a sudden, um, if you are in that culture and way of thinking, and if you throw in a little avoidance of, of vanity, like vanity is a bad thing, then you have this subtle shift, um, really a theological way of thinking that justifies unhealthy lifestyles. Because when we don't recognize the value of this physical world, the material creation that God's given us, when we only think God is interested in salvation and our souls alone and heaven when we die, then the state of our physical bodies is just easily um, kind of a distraction to all those other more important things. But actually, God is interested and wants to sanctify me and you through and through. He wants to sanctify our spirit, soul, mind, and body. He wants to bring about his redemption in all areas of our lives, not just our church lives. So like I just shared, I grew up in kind of this subculture of church history that kind of uh, your physical body, kind of irrelevant, not important. But actually, that is not the story of church history when you look at the whole arc. Throughout church history, there has been a huge priority on physical health. And it often gets overlooked that the scripture's teaching about looking after the sick was actually really heated and heated well throughout so much of church history. So the disconnect between the Christian faith and physical health is actually a very recent development when you look at the whole past. Um, there is so much good in the history of the church. It's actually an area that we can be proud of in church history because the very concept of hospitals, it has its, they have their roots in the church. The first hospitals were founded by the church with the belief that all people 
We're created in the image of God and all people, human dignity, deserved care no matter how poor they were. So even early church fathers, you read the early church fathers insisting that medicine was a gift from God. Clement, Origen, Basil, Gregory of Nyssa, John Chrysostom, they all argued at length that God had given medical knowledge as a gift and that out of his kindness, he did not wish for people to suffer when illness struck. So the doubt today that become, is become, you know, pretty common, the doubt today of medicine that's prevalent and prevalent in some um, sectors of the church, it's actually at odds with church history. It's kind of fascinating. Well, Susie and I grew up in Wisconsin, and uh, when you look at the surveys of the states where they rank in healthy, um, Wisconsin is there about in the middle, which is to be expected with cheese curds and fish fries. But we now live in Denver, and I don't know if you know this, but we are not far from Boulder, and Boulder as a city always ranks like number one healthiest city, lowest BMI. That's when a low number is a good thing to be on the top of the list. So here we are in a context where often the ditch that we tend toward is over-prioritizing our physical health. And that's just our Colorado culture. You know, over-prioritizing it and worshiping at the altar of everything vegan, everything athletic or physically strong. So today, um, we want to be challenged to think biblically about our bodies and what to do with our bodies and how to live on God's path and not fall into the ditches. So I need to give a couple caveats to get started because this is a challenging topic. Because as you know, there's like a huge range and spectrum and there isn't this like hard and fast one thing that everybody must follow. So umbrella caveat number one, Susie already mentioned this, is that in this room there's this huge umbrella of grace. That we in this room understand that everybody is on their own journey, in process, in process in their relationship with God, in process with their body, and figuring that out. So, shame-free zone here. But second caveat is that we are not here to give you health tips. Now, your Facebook friends, they want to give you lots of health tips. So turn to your Facebook friends for health tips, what to do, how to do it to be better. Um, But we are not about that. We instead want to focus on not the how, but the why. Um, So perhaps this morning in talking about this, we might want to offend everybody a little bit in every side of the issue for themselves so that nobody's left standing outside the gap. So um, our third, our goal is not to talk about how but why and to not let us live in these unintentional reinforced ideas like Susie said about Wisconsin. We don't want to stay in those unintentional um, kind of messages. Instead, we want to find God's path and what it means. So if I can just offend and encourage both at the same time. If you're a person who has made exercise your God, um, and right now your conscience is just feeling a little bit soothed and like, yes, thank you. God does like to live in my body. Um, We are here for you, too. Um, But if you are perhaps on the other side and you're a person who has made food your God, And right now, your soul is feeling a little bit more of the shame side of things, a little bit of the shame and the pressure that 
um, we put on ourselves that way and feeling that maybe God views us that way. And I want to say that God does not have any shame for you about your body. And we'll say more about that in a minute. Um, but last, some of you perhaps are on your faith journey um, in figuring out, following God in the way of Jesus, and you're hearing about this body being a temple and trying to con- get that concept and wondering, you know, do I just need to be healthy and exercise in order to earn and gain God's favor? And I don't want to unintentionally reinforce that either, that God is accepting us right where we're at, who we are right now. So today, we want to affirm God's desire for our physical health, and we want to challenge the excuses that can be on either side of either vanity or sloth. And instead, we want to come down the middle of the path and be in that path with God. And we want God to work his salvation through us, through and through, and that includes our bodies as well. So the scripture we read earlier talks about how our bodies are a temple of God's Holy Spirit. So here's the question. Um, What is a temple for? What's a temple for anyway? The passage said, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Your body is a temple. What's a temple? Simply put, a temple is a place where God can be found. You have a body. Biblically speaking, the scriptures would say your body is a temple. What's a temple? A temple is simply a place where God can be found. So we are meant to have a purpose outside of ourselves. And the purpose is a place where God can be found. The purpose of your body is to be a temple. Uh, Think about the basic purpose of the temple in the Old Testament in the scriptures. It was the place, it was the only place, really, where the people could expect to meet the presence of God. So we don't try to be healthy because if we're not, then God isn't going to be with me. That is not it. He will be with me. He will be with you, no matter the state of our physical bodies. I seek to be healthy because it provides me the opportunity to fully live into this call on my life. And when my body is sick, I see how even in sickness, that too can be redeemed as an avenue of his grace. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said a very interesting thing one time. He said, I venture to say that the greatest earthly blessing that God can give to any of us is health with the exception of sickness. Sickness has frequently been of more use to the saints of God than health has. And the reason for that is because when you are sick, you are outside of something you can control. And like we talked about in the last series, the opposite of faith isn't doubt, it's control. When I'm sick, I'm kind of forced into this place where I'm not in control, which is why when you talk to someone who is walking with Christ 
through sickness, I mean, that can be like holy ground. If you are in a dark place, as far as a sickness is concerned in your body, that can be a holy place and a transforming place because sickness has frequently been of more use to the saints of God than health. Well, when you think about this idea of our bodies being a temple where God dwells and his presence is, and that's a gift then to the world around us, um, the spirit of God is not looking for um, a body to be anything in particular. So God isn't in your body thinking, yes, this is an amazing body, or, ooh, this is not very nice. Let's clean this place up. Um, and especially, you know, you think about when you're sick. Um, the Holy Spirit isn't inside you thinking, ah, you have a runny nose and a cough and you're kind of disgusting. I got to get out of here. No. Um, no matter the state of your body, God wants to dwell in you. And using Susie's idea about the temple in Israel back long ago, where that was the specific place on earth that God dwelt. He was in that space. Um, and now we talk about it differently because the Holy Spirit dwells in, within each of us. But back then it was the temple space. You think about that temple and the people are supposed to be following and worshiping God and meeting God in that space. But what do the people do? If you remember, they turn their backs on God and they start following idols and doing other religious practices. So they leave God and here's God right there in space and time in the temple, and they turn their back on him. And what happens? God, it's not like God in that moment was like, okay, you guys are out, I'm out. God still wants to dwell with them. God still remains faithful. You know, of course, there's this misuse of the temple that's happening when the people are turning their backs on God and bringing idols in. You know, there's a misuse that's happening, but that didn't change God's desire to be with them. Instead, the misuse is something that's making the temple ineffective. It's kind of getting in the way of their connecting with God in his presence. So in some ways, it's like that with our bodies, that we don't simply glorify God through our health only, but it's an integrated part of our whole, that being in good shape just allows us to be more able to fully pursue God's call on our life more able to say yes when God wants us to move and do something. So physical health is not this end in itself, but physical health has this purpose of enabling us to better communicate the presence of God to the world around us. So God wants to dwell in you. He wants to dwell in you and for you to bring that presence to the world. And whether you are making some choices that are making your healthy unfit or just genetic predisposition, predisposition, you have a disease that has kind of held you back. Or you're on the other side where you have a super healthy, fit body. Any place that you are at, God wants to dwell in you. So how do we learn to honor God with our bodies? I have found there's a subtle difference in me between a selfishly driven pursuit of health and a life-giving sharing pursuit of health. So there's lots of gray areas. It's really a matter of the heart. It can't easily be determined from the outside. Uh, so let's just go back to our two people from the beginning, Roxanne and Jeremy. Roxanne, who wrote the memoir, 
and then Jeremy, who is the ultra-athlete. Um, let's imagine Roxanne is experiencing salvation in her body. She still has a large body, but she is taking steps, small ones every day, to honor her body. And she is experiencing salvation through those small steps in her physical body. Um, think about Jeremy. Jeremy is still very into exercise, but he has started taking his passion and bringing people along with him to build community. He loves rock climbing, so he took his, yeah, went with a youth group and used it as kind of a rite of passage, a rock climbing trip. Brought his family along on that camping trip so they weren't neglected at home. He stopped doing the crazy solo death races and instead started organizing groups that participate in long-distance relay races to focus on community instead of just his personal best and his personal performance. And over time, his hobbies become more and more directed towards good, life-giving ends. So from the outside, outside perspective, things haven't maybe changed much. Somebody looking in on Roxanne or Jeremy, they're still doing some of the same stuff, but the reasons make the difference, and they are experiencing salvation in their bodies. Think about another time when Jesus was in the temple, um, the last week of his life. Um, Luke records in 21, verse 1 through 4, a story where Jesus makes this observation and uses it as a teaching moment to talk about um, two different people. And perhaps you remember this kind of living parable of this wealthy man comes and drops a whole bunch of coins in the offering box and uh, does it pretty flagrantly and big. And then an older, poor woman kind of quietly drops in her two tiny pennies. And Jesus makes the observation that, you know, this poor woman has put more in than all the others. Just this idea of the difference that's happening, that this guy is giving out of his abundance of wealth, whereas she is giving everything out of her poverty. And if we can bring that kind of parable into our own physical body context, you can imagine perhaps, you know, a guy in his 30s, peak physical condition, he has never suffered any major physical illness. Um, you know, he, think about Colorado, he spends his summers mountain biking and in his winters skiing, and his life is a lot focused around himself. Um, and, you know, this guy, if, you, if he's standing right there and you ask him to help you, he, he'll say yes and he'll do what you need to, you know, help with. But, and he likes to use his words to say, yeah, yeah I'll help. But um, the follow-through may not be there because he's busy skiing and mountain biking. And... The commentary on this guy might be like the rich guy who's just putting in the coins out of an abundance. You know, he's giving a little bit out of the abundance of his health. But if you imagine a woman, perhaps in her 60s, on the other side of the story, <coughs> where she has a bad hip, needs to be replaced, and um, probably the last five or six years, she has been actually fighting cancer instead of dealing with things like her hip. And... You know, for her whole life, she is committed to um, serving and being active with people and in the church. 
maybe you can take over. Okay. This is why so, we're here. Right, this is why we're doing this, because we both were going to talk about physical health this week, and then we both get sick. Yes. So. <laughs> Thank you to Russell, our kindergartner, uh. for bringing that home <clears throat> from kindergarten. But yeah, so let's imagine this 60-year-old woman, and she is bringing her oxygen tank into church to continue serving. And her health is deteriorating, but when she can, she's still showing up at the nursing home, visiting shut-ins. And you can just imagine if Jesus is looking on that situation, what would he say? You have the 30-year-old who's given a little out of an abundance. You've got the woman given everything. And uh, the bottom line is our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Physical health matters, but the purpose makes all the difference. And God cares more about what we do with our bodies than just our BMI. He wants his salvation to redeem the brokenness that we all experience in our bodies in these different ditches. And certainly we have a certain responsibility to be strong temples, but not just for our own ends, not just for our own pleasure, but so that we can share his presence because he resides in us, we can share his presence in our bodies, in all our roles, in all of our lives. Um, our bodies are temples. The temple is a place where God can be found. That's why we seek to honor God with our bodies. So treating our bodies with honor and with respect can be a spiritual act of worship. In closing, Barbara Brown Taylor in her book, An Altar in the World, says this, whether you are sick or well, lovely or irregular, there comes a time when it's vitally important for your spiritual health to drop your clothes, look in the mirror, and say, here I am. This is the body like no other that life has shaped. I live here. This is my soul's address. Let's pray together as we close. Lord Jesus, you came incarnate in a body. And so you identify and understand our struggles in our bodies. And God, we thank you that with you and only with you are we fully known, fully seen, fully loved, with no fear of rejection. And God, I pray it would be in that soil of your love and enduring grace that we take steps together with you this week towards health and the bodies that you have given us. Thank you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.